نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم انا نحن نزلنا الذكر وانا له لحافظون وقال تعالى قل هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون انما يتذكر اولو الالباب صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ان الله وملائكته واهل السماوات والارضين حتى النمله في جحرها وحتى الحيطان في الماء يصلون على معلم الناس الخير او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected معلمات teachers of deen la tbarak wa taala has indeed greatly blessed and favored everyone who is engaged in teaching deen this is among the greatest bounties of allah taala in terms of what a person is occupied in after iman this is among the greatest bounties of allah taala in the hadith sharif nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says what we just recited that inna allah wa malaikatahu that verily allah taala and his angels and all the creatures of the earth and the heavens ahla samawat wal ardin all the beings on the heavens and in the earth the human beings and all the other creatures to the extent that those birds that are on the trees the fish that are in the oceans every one of them la yusalluna ala muallimin nasil khair all invoke blessings for the one who is teaching the people deen Allah Taala shows down his rahmat on them and all the other creatures make dua for them. So this is such a great honor, such a great bounty, such a great ni'mat that Allah Taala is showering his blessings and all the animals, the fish, the birds, the creatures and human beings obviously are making dua for them. Why is this such a great bounty and blessing given to them so much of honor given to them? because this is really what is of value in dunya that which takes a person towards allah taala and people who are teaching deen are teaching people how to get closer to allah taala so we need to be very conscious about this great honor that allah taala has blessed not that it's something to make somebody proud about it's not a matter of being proud but it's a matter of being very grateful very grateful to allah taala ya allah an undeserving person like me you have chosen me selected me to be involved in the service of deen ya allah this is purely your grace your favor your ni'mat but together with the aspect of honor comes responsibility as great as the honor will be accordingly is the responsibility the honor of a person who is a street sweeper is of a very low level people don't really show much respect though that is not the right thing that a person if he is being disrespected that is totally wrong even a street sweeper if he is a muslim he's got iman and he's got taqwa then he is way ahead of a person who might be a president or whoever but he doesn't have iman or if he has iman he doesn't have taqwa So that is not the basis of honor in the sight of Allah Taala. That a person, what is his position in society? 
But generally people will not give him that kind of position and respect. But then he doesn't have that kind of responsibility either. But the president, everybody gives the president tremendous respect. But then his responsibility is equally great. If the street sweeper, he walks down the streets and he is singing at the top of his voice or he is shouting something to somebody at the other end of the road, nobody pays attention to it. He's a street sweeper. But if the mayor of the town, he's walking down the road singing or he's shouting and he's making a fool of himself, they'll take him off his position. This fellow doesn't deserve this position. So together with honor comes responsibility and responsibility in many ways. Those who are teaching deen, especially teaching children, they have been given a very great responsibility. The responsibility is not merely to teach the children a syllabus. That this is the syllabus, teach the child so many surahs, so many duas, this amount of the textbook of fiqh, and this amount of hadith, this amount of tafsir, or whatever other subjects they may be. And once that syllabus is covered, then that's done, the work is done. No, the work hasn't been done. What is the task of a mu'allim, the task of a teacher of deen? There are two tasks. One is ta'aleem, the other is tarbiyah. What is ta'aleem and what is tarbiyah? What is the difference between the two? Ta'aleem is to teach whatever the subject matter is. So for example, if the subject matter is salah, so now we'll teach the child about salah. Before the salah, we'll teach him about taharat and all the things that go along with taharat. Then we'll teach salah, that how the salah is performed and how does a person make the takbir tahrima what is to be recited in the first rakat and what is to be recited in ruku and in sajda and in the second rakat and in qada and how the salam is made, etc. All the details of salah is taught. That is ta'aleem. Likewise with zakat, with fasting, with hajj, with whatever other amal of deen, then there'll be some section somewhere in the textbook of fiqh or deeniyat or whatever about the things that are haram, that all these things are haram, so that is talim, that to teach them what is haram, or what are the sins, that these things are sins, one is haram in terms of consumption, consumption. these are foods that are haram, then actions that are haram, so all the sins, we will teach them about these other things. All this is part of ta'aleem. But together with ta'aleem, what the responsibility of the teacher is, is tarbiyah. And this is the more bigger portion of the responsibility. The greater work is the tarbiyah. What is the meaning of tarbiyah? Tarbiyah is that that ta'aleem that was imparted must now become part and parcel of this child's life. That is what tarbiyah entails. So now we taught the child about tali, about salah, the ta'aleem of salah took place. Now there will be an effort made to make sure that the salah becomes part of this child's life. Now that is tarbiyah. So for example, the muallim, the muallima will keep asking the child, yesterday did you perform all your salah? Which salah you didn't perform? Why you didn't perform it? So did you make the qaza of it? You didn't even make the qaza, inna lillahi wa inna Now if especially if the child is now past 10 years old, now we'll, okay, now you take 2 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever, depending how many rakats he has to perform, now you make the qaza now. Now one day, two days that will happen. 
then now he made all his salah but you the boy now he's already uh, growing up so did you make the salah in the masjid no so now to make the salah in the masjid and as far as girls are concerned obviously so what time did you make the salah I made it at the last part of the time just as the time was passing well do you know that Nabi Wasallam said that that is a salah of a munafiq now this is not us we have to make the salah at the beginning of time so now you are inculcating salah in the life of the person so the talim of salah took place that was the teaching of the syllabus that was teaching the child how to go about the postures of salah how to recite in the salah and all to, how to fulfill that salah all the aspects that are required in it correctly but then the more important aspect was inculcating that salah in the life of that child and this is unfortunately where we often fall very short we feel that our responsibility has been completed by fulfilling and teaching the syllabus and Allah forbid sometimes I'm not talking about here Alhamdulillah here what I've heard is everything is going very well many places in the makatib and so on that sometimes have to be supervised in the Durban area many a times even that syllabus is not done properly and correctly so this is a major disservice to the child that has been placed in the amanat of the teacher so mashallah this is a very great na'mad very great bounty very great gift that a person has been afforded the opportunity of serving deen of teaching teaching Quran Sharif teaching Hadith Sharif teaching other subjects of deen yaad but the tarbiyah of that is the very crucial thing so all the aspects that we are teaching the children now for example we taught the children what is halal what is haram now there's an equally important effort to keep checking are they applying that in their lives we taught the children about the harms of sin now in a subtle way to keep checking that I'm sure you didn't look at any haram I'm sure you didn't listen to any music. Now sometimes you'll find somebody is looking down now. Why? Because they did something. So you don't embarrass anybody, but now to take note of that. And then separately call the person. What is the problem? Are you fulfilling what was taught to you? Many will inshallah be very open and honest about the situation. And they'll say, no, well, I still listen to music. Somebody saying, I'm looking at haram. Now this is such a terrible situation now the person who has the tarbiyah of the child at heart and who understands that this is part of my essential responsibility now such a person that person will make sure now that this child has to be advised this child has to be now guided so they will now in a way that is helpful to the child not now just going off the rail and saying demeaning things to the child but now guiding him encouraging him that look, this is a very harmful thing. Person who gets caught up in all these things in his youth, it becomes a major problem for him now and later in life. And Allah forbid, person leaves the dunya like that, then what a terrible thing in the akhirat. So, now to start advising, to start working with the child, to keep giving them targheeb, encouraging, to keep talking about the love of Allah Ta'ala and the favors and bounties Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, and therefore how much we, are, we owe our obedience to Allah Ta'ala. So this is an ongoing thing. In Surah uh, Muzammil, Allah wa Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal Muzammil, qumil layla illa qalila. Or in Surah Al-Mudathir, Ya ayyuhal Muddathir, qum 
فَأَنذِرْ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ That Allah Ta'ala is addressing Rasulullah Sallallahu that after the wahi had stopped for a while, he became very grieved and he took a blanket or some sheet and he had wrapped himself in the sheet and he was laying down in this condition and Allah Ta'ala revealed his ayat, O oh, you who is wrapped in a sheet, this was a kind of compassionate address, loving address, Qum, stand up now, the time has come now to proclaim, Qum fa'andhir, and warn, warn what? Warn about the dangers of continuing with a life of disobedience, and what is going to be the outcome of this? Qum fa'andhir, but what is the tartib and what is the procedure? وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ That instill, proclaim the greatness of your Rabb. That if you want to make tarbiyat of a child, the first thing is to instill the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart of the child. That the respect and the love, the greatness, the awe of Allah Ta'ala comes in the heart of the child. When the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart of the child, now it becomes very easy for the child to do what Allah Ta'ala wants. And it becomes difficult for the child to get involved in that which Allah Ta'ala is displeased with. Somebody else is pulling, somebody else is inviting, somebody else is tempting, but the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart. Child says, sorry, I can't come. I can't do this. How can I ever get involved in such a terrible thing? Allah Ta'ala created me. Allah Ta'ala nourishes me. Allah Ta'ala blesses me all the time. Allah Ta'ala has innumerable bounties and favors upon me. You want me to come and look at haram? These eyes who gave me? Allah Ta'ala gave me. Must I use the eyes Allah Ta'ala gave me to break Allah Ta'ala's command? To look at what Allah Ta'ala forbade? You want me to come and listen to music? Who gave me these ears to listen to? Allah Ta'ala blessed me with this. How can I misuse these ears? Now when the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart of the child, he may not express it in so many words, but those will be the feelings that will go through his heart. And that will be the lesson that will be embedded in his heart. And that will become a barrier between him and son. But when will this happen? This will happen when there is ongoing tarbiyah. And that is the responsibility of the mu'allim of the mu'allima to make the tarbiyah of the children. Now this tarbiyah, how does this tarbiyah take place? So one manner of this tarbiyah is by constantly advising, speaking to the children, reading from some book to them which has the correct knowledge in it, the correct knowledge of targheeb, uh, advising them from like for example now the fazail amal the fazail sadaqat various other kitabs they are authentic books from which we may make mashura with the ulama ikram and then those things can be read to them the lives of the ahlullah so this is one very great and effective way of tarbiyat to read the biographies or incidents from the lives of the pious predecessors so this is one way of tarbiyah but more than that and the more effective way of tarbiyah is this will also happen and this is ongoing this must never stop is the practical lessons that we give to those who are in our care the lessons that we give to them by means of how we conduct ourselves now sometimes for example if we are giving the lesson that the cell phone is a very very bad thing Fine, use it only to the extent of necessity, but it must never be used for haram, and don't get caught up in it, and don't waste your time in it. So now we gave all this advice to the child. Now the child, but in any case, is observing that I was taught all these things, told all these things, 
But the one teaching me every now and then when it's a free moment or whatever, and Allah forbid if it's not a free moment and also the same thing is carrying on, this person is on the phone, he's on the WhatsApp, trying to know what's happening throughout the world, and person is on the social media and whatever other things carry on. Now this goes completely against the grain of what we just thought. It negates the lesson actually. So the child will learn from what they see. Sometimes we think that the policy works. Do what I say. Don't do what you see. What I say, that is what you do. What you see me doing, don't do that. It doesn't work like that. The children do what they see first. First they do what they see. Then they think about what they heard. So we need to show the practical example. It is Salah time. The first person they see getting ready for Salah is the Mu'allima. They are seeing the Mu'allima completing her tasbihat. They are seeing the Mu'allima making tilawat of the Quran Sharif. They are seeing the dressing of the Mu'allima. In the Madrasa, there's some social gathering, there's some function. They are seeing the Mu'allima there as well. They are seeing her in a certain manner. That is also teaching them, that is also making the tarbiyat. That mashallah, look at how our Mu'allima, wherever she is, whether it's in Madrasa, whether it is in the social function, this somebody's wedding taking place or whatever, she still maintains the same modest dressing. She doesn't come anywhere close to the immodest way of dressing. And she maintains her haya and modesty everywhere. Now what a tremendous lesson they've learned from the practical manner in which the Mu'allima conducted herself. And this is the greatest lesson. So this is the thing that we need to all the time keep conscious of that the tarbiyah verbally also must continue, the targhib etc. must continue. And together with that, the greatest lessons will be imparted by means of our practice, how we conduct ourselves. And the extremely important task and function that we have, one is to teach concepts in terms of salah, zakat, fasting, teach ibadat, teach principles. But together with that, the most important thing is to teach an Islamic mindset. This child must think deen. Many times we practice deen, alhamdulillah, very great thing, but we think dunya. We practice deen, but we think westernism. We want to practice deen, but that's where the big problem comes. Because a person is thinking westernism and trying to practice deen, so now he somewhere down the line wants to try and merge the two. Because his mind is working in a western mind. But he is also conscious that I'm a Muslim, so I must practice Islam. But when he's thinking western, in the western mindset, so somewhere down the line he's trying to merge it, he's trying to marry the two. Now he's trying to marry the east and west, can never happen. He's trying to bring the east and west together till Tayyamat that can't happen. So, the most important thing together with the other things is to create the correct Islamic mindset. We have to develop that mindset, we have to develop in those children as well. That we think deen-wise. And what is for example, just to understand what it is thinking deen-wise, many people will be learning deen, but their primary figure will be how I can improve dunya. Person is learning higher Islamic knowledge also. He's learning higher Islamic knowledge, but his primary concern, primary, his, his mind is working in that direction. His primary aspiration is how can I keep acquiring more dunya?
more of the material things of the world. I must also have a very comfortable life. I must be able to drive the car that somebody else is driving. I must be able to have the kind of house somebody else is having. I must be able to wear the kind of brand labels that somebody else is wearing. Now, this is the mindset. So when this is the mindset, then the mindset is against what is the principles of the Quran and Sunnah. Deen hasn't forbidden us from using the ni'mats of dunya. But not thinking about the ni'mats of dunya in that manner that that becomes our primary concern. One sahabi, now to understand how Nabi Islam kept changing the mindset. One sahabi came after the battle of Khandak and he says to Nabi Islam that today nobody earned more profit than I earned. The booty was distributed and everybody was buying and selling and repeatedly buying and selling so many things and everybody now traded. So everybody earned something. I earned the most profit. Now, at least we would have thought this way. At least say, mashallah, wonderful. But that wasn't wrong to say that. But Nabi Salaam wanted to create a mindset. He said to him immediately, should I tell you something better? Now he's talking about what a profit he made. Nabi Salaam says, should I tell you something better? What is better? Two rakats after the farz. The two rakats performed after the farz is better than all this profit that you made. Now this, is, this was creating a mindset. This was something that was making the person think, not that he was told don't earn, or he was reprimanded, why did you do business? No, no, no. He wasn't reprimanded for that. But he was taught to think deen. That alhamdulillah, this is Allah Ta'ala's na'mat, I must make shukar for this, but more important is my deen. I must make sure I don't compromise on my deen in any way. And I must take the maximum opportunities for deen. So that two rakats after salah, I mustn't rush. I must perform the two rakats also properly. Now this is what is called creating a mindset. Making the person think correctly. Now there are so many examples of this nature, many many examples. Somebody said something, somebody did something, Nabi Islam changed their mindset, made them think differently, made them think in terms of deen. One person was building their home, Nabi Islam passed by, and he says, Mashallah, you making it a solid structure. Now in those days, everything was mud. So it was done in quick time. And this person was making it solid. Now it's not forbidden. But again, Nabi Islam was creating a mindset. Now we'll say, give some dua to the person. He might have given dua also. But what he told him? He told him, life is shorter than this. What you busy doing, by the time you finish that, life might be gone. Now this was creating a mindset. Then fine. You're going to live in dunya, but don't forget the akhirat. That is your mindset. Now that is the primary thing. To create the correct mindset in the children that we teach. The mindset must not be fashion. Many a times, a Muslim woman will be dressed in complete Islamic garb. But her mindset is fashion. So then eventually she wants to marry the two. So under the cloak she's wearing jeans. Now this is her concept of now being the so-called merging of the two. But they, billah, can they ever be merging of Islam and things that are all devoid of deen, things that are created by the enemies of Islam, can never happen. But now why does this kind of thing happen? Why does a person feel inadequate, feel something not right, if they are not wearing, if they are only wearing what is, we may term as Islamic garb, 
Why? Because though the Islamic garb is on the outside, the mindset is still something else. The mindset is fashion. The mindset is brand labels. So therefore, it will be a Islamic garb, but it can't be, because the mindset is fashion, it, it will not be good enough if it doesn't have a brand label on that cloak also. It must be very prominent, it must be very nicely visible, then only it will be suitable. Now where does this come from? This comes from the mindset. So we have to create the correct mindset. And this doesn't happen by talking about it once. It happens by repetition. Repeatedly bringing the same lesson that the mindset must be that of haya, the mindset must be of simplicity, the mindset must be of the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, the mindset must be of making the akhirat first, the mindset must be of all these things. This is the mindset. So therefore this is what we have to concentrate on, this is what we have to be very conscious about, and inshallah in this way we'll find that we'll progress in deen, the children also will progress in deen, we will become true guides for them. We will be able to make true students of them. And they will become assets for themselves, for their families, for the entire communities, for the entire ummah. One day we are all going to lead, leave this world. We're going to end up in our qabr. But these will be our real investments. Those children whom we left with the right mindset. Who we made their tarbiyah. And now they are themselves practicing the deen correctly. They are passing it on to their children to whom they are teaching, we will be gone in our covers and we will be keep, we will reap the rewards of this continuously. Indeed, this is a very, very great na'mat and bounty of Allah wa ta'ala. May Allah wa ta'ala accept the efforts. Allah ta'ala make it a means of great benefit for everyone in dunya and akhirat. Allah wa ta'ala shower his barakat and blessings. Allah ta'ala make, shower his barakat in each one's rizq, in each one's knowledge, in each one's amal. Allah ta'ala grant barakat in the families in the progeny, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala accept every effort, Allah ta'ala make it a means of tremendous, great bounties in dunya also, Allah ta'ala make it a means of every khair in akhirat as well, wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu, Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk, anta kama athnayta ala nafsik, Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu Rabbana walamna anfusana wa illam takhfillana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin Allahumma iftah lana bilkhair wa akhtim lana bilkhair wa ja'al awaqiba umurina bilkhair biyadika alkhair innaka ala kulli shayin qadir wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina muhammadi wa alihi wa sahabi ajma'in walhamdulillahi rabbil alam